0: Welcome to the Step Change podcast from me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. My podcast is My Thoughts to Help You with the Development of Your Own Business. And this Step Change podcast is entitled Managing Your Time. Now, in this podcast, I'll be sharing with you my thoughts as the content of one of the modules from my online business development program. This is module three of 12, which I share as part of a program Available to purchase from my website. But as time management is such a key factor for many business owners, I thought I'd share it with you for my latest podcast. So, this podcast is talking about managing your time. Welcome to session three of the online business development program for entrepreneurs. And today's theme is all around managing your time. I'd just like to quickly reflect on the last
1: session. Last session was around sharing two one-page business tools with you where you can plan, and strategize your business and also consider the high-power activities for your business. Um, and some of the headlines I'd like to just reflect upon are those top five numbers. Five numbers that are critical to the success of your business, that define the success of your business and that are only five until it really narrows down the focus for you and keeps you focused on those things that you have to do without distraction. Those high power factors, as I say, those things you need to do in your business without distraction um, for the development of your business. And we established the consideration of around what your success drivers are for your business, what drives the success for your business and with good activity creates the outcomes that you desire. And as I said, the disappointment for me is too many dashboards from accountants or software dashboards look at turnover, look at profit. Ultimately, they are only outcomes of other activity in your business. If you have good activity in your business, you'll have good turnover, you'll have good profits. If your activity isn't good, then don't be surprised. It's going to be reflective in terms of those outcomes. We also looked at effective goal planning and those five key things to add into your goal planning that makes it more effective. Standard goal planning says, what do I want to achieve? By when? Let me get going and jump into the activity. Effective goal planning adds five key elements. First of all, the pain in the game. What is it you're gonna feel? What's the knock-on effect of not achieving your goal or achieving your goal? Accountability, who can you share your goal with so that you feel accountable to others as much as yourself because it's proven to increase the success rate of your goal achievement. And then a key element for me, obstacles and solutions. What are the obstacles that's going to stop you achieving your goal? And what are the solutions that, if you put them into your action plan, are going to make sure those obstacles don't occur and stop you from achieving your goal? Is it some sort of resource in terms of time, money, etc.? So let's look at time. Today's session, all around time, life's most valuable asset. And it is the key element that most of my clients are striving for. How they can best use the time they have available. I can't give them more time, we all, all have the same amount of time, you, me, um, my clients, other business owners, it's how we best use that time to maximise our time management. And for me it's key to our business growth or survival in startup stage and one of the key elements is knowing the value of your time, not just If you, for example, charge your time out at a particular hourly rate, or when you're costing something up, say my hourly rate is such and such. But what's your overall value for the business? So you you could argue if the turnover for the business is such and such in a year, and my contribution is impacted on that value, you could argue that your time is a element of that full value, that full turnover, that full revenue whether that's generated by other team members or solely by yourself. It may be that if you spent an hour of your time on business development and you, in each hour, you could win a particular customer worth a particular amount, then that would start to control the value of your time. It's not particularly what your customers are prepared to pay for one hour of your time, or your product, for example, it takes an hour to develop. It's more about the full value so that you ensure, and my experience of this, is when people are aware of their true value of their time, they are more efficient and effective with the management of their time, because it's much clearer to them when they're in effect wasting it, when they're firefighting, when they're being distracted, where they're being taken away from those key activities. And it helps you to plan that achievement the goals that we talked about earlier, because you're better using your time. In terms of effective time management, effective means doing the right things. So again, it comes back to our high-performance business. Efficient is making sure you're doing it right first time. Now, there may be times when by you need to make some mistakes to start with because you're developing or tweaking a system or a process. But we should be striving for ourselves and across our business of doing things right first time. And how much responsibility and self-management are you willing to take for your own personal management of your time. So are you planning? Are you signing off each day, reflecting on how you could best use your time? Do you have some measurement in terms of how you've used your time so that you can reflect back and measure that as a success driver? There are some basic principles around effective time management, and it's not really about working longer hours. It's about working more efficiently and this is a conversation I had with a VA recently where a VA was focusing um, for micro and smaller businesses the message around time and I challenged that person to think well is it really their pain problem and fear of their time because when you're a young business um, you feel that you can work evenings, you can work weekends to catch up on things like your admin or stuff you haven't had a chance to do during the week, because you know you're energised um, and motivated to do that. Um, we've talked about knowing the value of your time, etc., but there's a load of other aspects that around the basic principles. And one of the things I encourage all my clients to do when they're concerned about their time is to log their time. To establish what it is that they are really doing. Um, I could sit and talk to you in terms of what do you believe you're doing. If you created a log, I think you'd be surprised by some of the things that you end up doing that you don't automatically foresee yourself doing. That might be prolonged breaks, for example. That may be um, certain distractions or interruptions from friends, family, work colleagues, customers, supply chain, etc. I'm also a believer of systems and processes that help create repetitive action, which at the end of the day, creates positive habits. And one of the elements in terms of my role as a coach or a mentor is helping people implement habits. So they know, my clients know they want to make a change. They make a change, but it's very easy to get pulled back into the the old way of working. Whereas, having the accountability with myself, the check-in with myself, the regular reminder from myself, it starts to create actions that therefore form habits. So for example, I might have on the takeaway action list for my clients' monthly sessions, a particular action for three, four months. But after those three, four months, I can take that off of the action list because it's now created as a habit. I'll talk more when we talk about um, planning our time, but when do you work best? When are you at your prime during a day? And it's having this awareness of when you're at your prime, when you can do certain activities, because you'll be more efficient doing those activities. So for example, if you're best in the mornings, doing strategic activities that may be a three hour task or a two hour task, then plan all those activities in the mornings. And if there's certain things you can do with your eyes closed in the afternoon, schedule all those things into the afternoon. And what we really get to establish by knowing the value of our time, knowing what the things that we need to focus on in terms of our high-power activities, we get to understand that you know, we're not just having meetings for meetings' sake. There's a purpose in utilising every moment of our time, and we're organising ourselves, we're organising the workspace around us, we're organising ourselves towards our deadlines that all have a purpose. And there's an interesting concept around final basic principle is a not-to-do list. And again, by establishing what it is that you're really doing, perhaps by creating a log, or just by monitoring yourself on a day-by-day basis, writing down the things that you're doing that you know you should not be doing on a regular basis, and then how you can then work to eliminate those. Now, it might not be possible if you're a one person business right now, but it starts to highlight to you where you can recruit someone, how you can outsource to someone to support you in those tasks that you don't really need to be doing. So please take a few moments, please pause the video and sit back, reflect on what is it right now that you're wasting your time upon? What are those activities that you're doing in your business that you should not be doing? you don't need to be doing, it's not critical that you should be doing them, but you currently could be considered to be wasting your time on them by not spending your time on other more important high payoff activities. So now that you've spent some time thinking about what you're wasting your time on, let's move on and consider how we can best use our time. Now, one of the things for me is that every outcome that you have has a learn and for me you don't fail at anything you don't um not achieve you always achieve something you always achieve an outcome from which to learn from from something to reflect on something to work upon and it may be a learning that you're never going to repeat that or you repeat it many many times again but don't waste your time This with despair, spending time regretting the action from the past. um, Because you can't do anything about it. That time has passed. Now it is the past. All you can do is like I say, reflect on it. Consider what uh, best practice that you can take forward to suit the way that you work. So are you doing the right things in your business? And are you spending the right time on your business? So this little exercise gets you to think about, okay, well, what's all the key areas of your life? And I've just given you some examples here. You may have um, some other things that are important to you in your life or some other things that you're doing in your life. Um, But obviously family, friendships, are going to come into that, looking after your health and hobbies, having time to work on the business, working in the business. Working in the business is things like doing the fear and doing the operations and delivering your product or service, working on the business is a more strategic business overview, considering about the future of your business, thinking about your marketing strategy. Then you have two columns and to think about what percentage of your time do you wish you were spending in that area of your life? That's your first column. The second column is what percentage of your time are you actually spending in that area of your life? Now, I can probably guarantee, now that you've completed that exercise, that there's a huge gap between many of those areas. Quite often, the negative gap, i.e. where you want to spend more time than you're currently doing, is in the top half, your family, your friends, down to working on the business. In the bottom half, you're probably spending more time working in the business than you'd ideally like to. You're probably doing other non-strategic stuff than you'd like to. It's a real simple exercise to get you to reflect on how you're best using your time and understanding where your gap is so you can address those things. Now about are you doing the right things with the business? So if we look at the key elements and the key areas of your business and what you spend your time on, let's categorize that into three areas. It's working in the business, in terms of what I call inward facing activities. So that may be around people management, managing the people, administration. So you might be doing your own bookkeeping, for example. Then it's working in the business with customer facing activities. So that's winning new business, serving them from an operational perspective, um, or maybe working on the business. So the strategic element, the bigger picture, the considering better ways of running the business, serving your customers, um, and developing your people and your team. And again, the same two columns, what percentage of your time do you wish you would be spending on that? And what percentage of your time are you spending? I'll just give you a couple of moments to think about that. For yourself. So, where did you see the gaps this time? Well, I'd suspect that you are not spending as much time working on your business as you'd like to. That might be a small gap, that might be a big gap. But I would say most people looking to develop their business are not finding enough time to work on their business than they'd like to. So, it's now about creating that time to get to where you want to go to. And I'm sure you've seen this time management matrix before, where you're looking at the scale of importance versus urgent. And what tends to happen is we get sucked into the important and urgent box, or those things that are perceived to be urgent. They have an appearance of urgency, they're the must do now things. So things like my emails just pinged through, or phone calls just come in, or a member of team wants to speak to me, etc. Where we want to be working is that important non-urgent or perceived to be non-urgent box, which is our strategization strategy. It's our marketing strategy. Um, it's all that proactive element of our business. What tends to happen is we start in the middle with all the best intention to get up into that green box of uh, proactivity. What happens is we start the day and bang, check our emails and audio. Emails come in and got to deal with that, or the phone rings. So we go up and we go into firefighting mode in box one. And then to recover, we get back to the middle and actually we go into box four, that non important, non urgent box. That might be go and make a coffee, have a chat with someone, actually interrupt somebody else. It might be surfing the web. Um, it might be having a scan through social media with no particular purpose. And what we do is we reset back to the middle with the best intentions to do what? Yep, to get into box two. What happens? The phone goes again or another email comes. That's how our day goes. Unless we intervene and we make a plan to be different um, with our use of our time and we plan that plan. So some time-saving strategies that I'd like to share with you. First of all, decide what's most important and then do it. Um, so you might have a to-do list, for example. How are you prioritising those things on your to-do list? Is it around revenue generation? Is it around customer interaction? Is it around development of your people in your team? Is it around you and what you want for your business? Is it around other interruptions? Decide what's important and how you prioritise. Having clear goals set that you can share with others with clarity and deciding what you're spending some time on today will it move you closer towards that task? And I think I said in session one, that if you have a goal, mission, vision, objective, it makes it really clear in terms of what you should be spending your time upon. So if for example, I'm asked to do X, Y, Z, but it doesn't tick the box in terms of achieving my goals, then I'm more likely to say no. Apply and remember the 80-20 rule. the most common sort of phrase here is that 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers or 80% of your problems will come from 20% of your customers or 80% of your people issues will come from 20% of your staff. In time management, it's thinking and considering is 80% enough sometimes on some of the tasks that you're doing. Um, So for example, you set your task, It should take you an hour to do and hour is just about to tick by, do you stay on that task or do you stop at around 80% mark and go and do the next thing that you've scheduled to do? Because that thing that you've scheduled to do is as important as the thing that you're still working on now. And Normally, 80% would be enough for many business owners because we all strive for excellence. And actually, our 80% is probably good enough most of our customers. Now, that's a very broad comment I appreciate, but just to highlight how important this 80-20 rule could be. Prioritise your to-do list, as I talked about earlier, so we talked about deciding what's important and how you prioritise. Now take the action with your to-do list to put it in some sort of order, to code it, to colour code it. So you may have colour codes, you may have a number order system, but making sure you're prioritising effectively, because I think if you don't, what people tend to do with to-do lists is start with things. They scan down the to-do list of five items. I go, i start with that one. That's easy to do. That's nice to do. Um, do it with my eyes closed. And yes, I, I appreciate there is some element of, yes, if I do that, I get a tick and it moves the motivation in a positive direction. But actually, we end up leaving the things that we really should be doing till later. Make sure that you're only doing what you can do and what you should do. So is this a task that only you as the business owner should be doing? And therefore, is that what you're spending time on? If there's a task that somebody else could do and should do, who should be doing it? And how can you therefore then delegate, which then leads into mastering the art of delegation, when you're effective with your time management, because what you don't want to be doing is delegate it, and then in effect, have to micromanage if you didn't delegate appropriately. So Delegate appropriately, make sure that the person you're delegating to understands the task and the reason why it's been delegated to them. Um, and therefore, you should only really better get involved when it's brought back to you after completion, and the impact has been made. Meetings, you can drain your time by having meetings for meetings sake and how many times do you to see that. Um, and it's one of the the issues that I potentially see with online meetings, it's too easy just to have another meeting. So are your meetings effective and productive? Are they for a purpose? And how can you make them quicker? Can you have a standard agenda that people are clear about what the agenda is going to be of that meeting, and how they prepare for the content for each element of that meeting, and that will in itself improve the efficiency and the time spent on meetings. We talked about prime time earlier. Make sure that you are aware of what your prime time is and reserve your part of your day for those important tasks and reduce your procrastination. And I know the slide says don't procrastinate, but I know that's quite difficult for a lot of people, but what would stop you from procrastinating? Would it be sharing it with somebody else? Would it be bouncing that idea or that thought off of somebody else? but also that clarity about the direction of travel. If you're clear about your direction of travel, you're less likely to procrastinate. And a real simple tip is to think about a hand holding dictating machine or an app, because some of your best ideas, some of your best thoughts will come to you when you're not at work, you're not thinking about necessary work. So It might be in the shower, bathroom, just about go to sleep, just woke up having a day out, whatever that may be, you could just quickly record that. And with the technology we have nowadays, you can easily convert that into a Word document of some sort, and um, so that you've got a record of that to then build into your action and to-do list at a later point. So I talked earlier about an interruptions and distractions, and then becoming really clear when you have some clarity about what your high-pass activities are and what you should be spending your time on. So an interruptions and distractions log is one piece of paper, a line down the middle, who's interrupted you on the left-hand side, why they interrupted you on the right-hand side. And every single one of my customers has found this as a lightbulb moment for them to establish who and why they're being interrupted. So you have that clarity. You then have awareness when you're being interrupted, and then you make a record. And if you keep this record for three, four, five weeks, you'll start to get a pattern. And when you start to get a pattern, then you can manage the situations that appear from your log. So, for example, on the left-hand side, if it's regular people that are interrupting you, is it family, friends, business partner, members of your team, supply chain, customers, etc., whoever it is, you can have a conversation with that person and manage their expectations. Try to establish why they feel they had to interrupt you without permission sometimes. why, um, what, what, what the purpose may have been from their perspective. And could you educate them in a different way? Could you educate them with what I call a discussion planner, which is a one page with their name on the top, um, or it might have your name on the top, and they just write things that they want to raise with you. And instead of interrupting you every single time, they just interrupt you once for five things instead of five times for one thing. Then on the right-hand side is the why. Why have they interrupted you? So now you can establish, did they really need to interrupt me for that? Is that highlighting to me things I don't really need to be doing or should be doing myself, so therefore I should be delegating that to somebody else? If it shouldn't have been me, who should they have spoken to and therefore can I communicate that to them? Or is there a system or a process that I need to put in place or I need to improve to make sure that they can follow that system or process and they don't need to interrupt me? Or could it be that they don't have permission to do a certain thing, so therefore they have to interrupt you? Again, really establishing the why can be really powerful for you establishing a better use of your time. As I say, the discussion planner. This is an example of um, one whereby you'd have a piece of paper, different people's names at the top. It could be all your managers, for example. It could be um, all your subcontractors, etc. If you work with subcontractors, and each time you want to raise something with them, just put something underneath their name, and even for you. Just having one conversation rather than three, four, five conversations each time will save you time. Because we know that every single conversation we have starts with how's the weather, how are you, all the niceties that have to conversation. if that only takes 30 seconds, a minute each time, actually, if it's five conversations, you're saving four minutes straight away. Then we look at effectively scheduling our diary and our to-do list by planning our week with a weekly planner. So it's about getting organised. And there's a lot of research that says if we plan our time, one minute planning will save us five minutes. And one hour's planning will therefore then nearly save us a day. So what would you be doing with that extra time if you were planning effectively? And when we look at time planners, I'm encouraging you to think about the wider picture. So not just what's in your diary today, but what's in diary for the week one to 31 for the year ahead, et cetera. And can you consider blocking out hourly slots for certain activities? So we talked earlier about when you're at prime time or when you could do things with your eyes closed. So scheduling activities for that. And if you looked at my diary, my diary is broken down into three hour slots, one and a half hour slots, one hour slots or half hours so and multiples of the three. And then I might have strategic activity or a mentoring session for three hours. I might have an hour and a half scheduled for um, a webinar. I might have an hour for a free, complimentary session, or a half hour for a prospect conversation. And therefore, if I get that type of activity request, I then schedule it. And therefore, I control my diary so that I am working effectively at my time. And I'm sure you've seen it yourself: is that you've blocked out half a day for an activity, all the best intentions, and then somebody says, "Well, could I just have a 10 o'clock meeting?" That 10 to 11 o'clock that blows your whole morning because you can't really get started in the first hour. You've only got an hour afterwards. So again, it sort of blows it all out of perspective for you. So schedule your activities. Um, you know, There's a saying in terms of doing your most important things first. Um, but like I said earlier, if you said, I think we're pretty good as entrepreneurs judging our time and saying actually, I think that's task should take me an hour. If it's taking you an hour, finish that. And then move on to the next one if you do have to revisit it reschedule it for another time because the next task you have scheduled is just as important and be thoughtful of your scheduling so when you open up your diary to one to 31 days which is a minimum that i would recommend first of all mark out the days where you're definitely not going to be able to do other things other than say for example going to visit a client or a customer so If you don't, what you end up doing is you'll end up scheduling things onto days that you can't do things, and then at the end of the day, beating yourself up because you didn't do them. But in reality, you'd have never been able to do them. And what's your ideal week look like? And certainly without planning, you'll get sucked into that that sort of quadrant one, the firefighting quadrant, certainly potentially get sucked into quadrant four, that non-important, non-urgent box where you're just drifting, and doing unimportant things like surfing the web. But with some planning, you'll be in box two and working proactively on your business. And what does an ideal look week look like? So for example, I'd have an ideal week of Monday to Friday mornings, three hour sessions, afternoons, hour, an hour and a half sessions, but I will always build in at least every other day, an hour for firefighting because We could want an ideal week, we're not going to get an ideal week in reality. So we need to schedule in an hour every so often. It might be daily for some people to have a firefighting task. I'd also encourage you to think about only responding to your emails in the morning, at lunchtime, at the end of the day, or three other particular times of the day. Therefore, you just reduce your distractions and you'll see how efficient you are actually by just going through 10 emails at a time rather than perhaps 10 individual emails as and when they ping through as notifications. So again, this time planner will be in the resources for you. It will be um, available from my website at any particular time um, from the PDF link that you can see there. But it gives you an idea in terms of breaking out your week, Monday to Sunday, nine till six and evenings. You might start earlier, you might finish later, that's your choice, um, and put planet onto your planner, And then start to block out times of days. So for example, when I was running um, my businesses, this sort of picture, maybe the, the blue was when I was working with a client and the green was my planning time. And I would always have a day when I'd be working on my business um, and then I'd give myself some other time and Sunday night was always my planning period for the, the week ahead. And you can see I'm realistic that I was going to be working certain evenings, but that was probably likely to be networking. And you could go deeper into this, you could schedule in and write in exactly what you're doing. Other elements is then your to do list. We talked about to-do lists earlier and about prioritization establishing how you prioritize things. But you know, you might say, okay, well, what are my task is it? ABC task? Is it something I need to delegate? Is it something that shouldn't be on my to do list? It should be on my not to do list. I would encourage you to update your to do list the night before and I encourage you to write your to do list out. And it's very easy to have your to do list on something like Outlook Tasks or equivalent, and then you just double click on it, change the date, and move it to another day. Actually, by writing your task out each time, you're reminding yourself that you haven't done it. And you're asking yourself subconsciously why you've not done it or even to a degree beating yourself up. You couldn't do it. Um, but also it's a chance to reorganize, reprioritize your, your stuff. And as I say, by, by just writing now, it's just that constant reminder of still what's outstanding for you. And then you've got your filing systems. Can you reduce your in and reduce that visual pressure that you have on yourself. And how do you feel when your inbox is inundated with emails, particularly on the Thursday back from holiday, compared to when you're in control of your emails? You've got probably three or four things in there that you've read, but the rest is um, clear. It's all filed nicely. So again, looking at your filing systems, um, think about your, you might have a manual diary or a virtual diary of 1 to 31 days of January to December reminding you things you need to do at the right time but just not cluttering at your desk you may have your client or customer files um, so each key person that you have in the business um, it's important to to your business that the documentation you have on there is relevant and systemized so that for each client you have a particular file structure if you're looking for something in a client file you know where to look and what you're looking for. And we talked about email organization just a moment ago, but just to give you a flavor of my emails, I've got my standard inbox, sent box, deleted items. Underneath my inbox, I've got um, folders, and I use the folders for client names or for task specific. And once I've completed the task, I will drag those into a client folder. Um, I have to be honest, I'm not doing every single one now. i would probably just delete some because what i found is that with the search tools in Outlook, now it's really easy to to find things. But this is personally how I use my Outlook in an email box, is that my inbox is my things still to do. So if something is still in my inbox, it's still an action that I need to do myself. If it's in my sent box, I'm more waiting a reply from somebody else and it's on them to give me a reply. And every so often I will review my sent items list to see who I need to speak to, who I need to chase, etc. And again, that's just keeping me organized, keeping me in control of my email box. So therefore, I don't feel under pressure that I've got hundreds of emails in my inbox and which ones are red, which ones are color-coded that I need to action, etc. It's just really clear. X number of emails in my inbox I still need to deal with, X number of emails in my sent box, I'm waiting for a reply. Others I'm using folder usages for. And I consider there to be four key elements to your organization that keeps you focused and in concentration. First of all, it's in terms of neatness. Um, and I used to call this a clear desk policy, but actually. That can be dangerous because you end up thinking you need to clear what's on your desk before you can move on but for me the neatness is more around working on one thing at a time and i've seen it myself over the years is that you've got four or five things going on they're all visible on your desk and you end up jumping between each and one of them as you're trying to do one of them so you might be responding to an email and you might be dealing with a client customer issue or you might be listening to somebody else in a conversation etc deal with one thing at a time and you'll find yourself much more effective and efficient so even take things off put them into a drawer put them aside deal with one task and bring then the next thing onto your agenda get everything together for one task so what we mean by that if you need to do something what do you need to do to achieve that task and this is really where systemization and prioritization um, of processes can come in because if you're not ready to do the task then don't start it so for example if you're doing something for a customer you may need to educate the customer what information you need to be able to start that task please just do this with bookkeepers don't when I run a, a membership organization for bookkeepers is don't start the bookkeeping task if you haven't got all the work from the customer a it educates the customer but b all you're going to be doing is stop start stop start because you haven't got all the information you need to complete the task To get everything together and have a system or process that demonstrates to you what you need before you start the task many good people um, that i respect use this which is the um, system of only handling one piece of paper once and they use a system which is toss refer action or file so is it toss it in the bin? Is it refer and give it to somebody else by delegation? Is it to action yourself or is it just to file it? And what is it that you need to do just to touch that piece of paper once? And you'll see that you'll get much more effective with what's coming into your inbox, what's coming in through your postbox. And always look to finish what it is that you started. Are you a complete finisher? And if you're not a complete finisher, get good people around you to do this task for you. And that may be, as I say, filing away what needs to be filed in terms of client documentation, because that has a knock-on effect. It will save you time next time when you need to be looking for that. So if you've basically finished the task, you've chucked it in the corner of your room, and you'll file it sometime later this year, if you suddenly need that piece of paper, it's not in an organised filing system in a customer order, in a particular element in that customer folder for you to easily put your hand on you've got to go through all that documentation to find it and in terms of the complete finish as i said earlier it doesn't need to be complete finished today but if you schedule an hour and you've got to wait to 10 of it, that could be enough make a review and schedule the last 20 percent if you really need to finish it further one element, again, I think we could do more as entrepreneurs and business owners to outsource more, simply by getting outsiders of our business people who are not on our PA way to help us do things more efficiently, more economically. And a great example of this is the bookkeepers that um, I used to support, and used to have as my own business actually, is because we might spend three, four hours doing a bookkeeping task that could take an outsourced resource, such as a bookkeeper, one one hour to do, because that's their expertise, that's what they do day in day out they know the tricks they know the shortcuts they know the software to use to enable them to do that so therefore when you're thinking actually it takes me four hours therefore it's going to cost me x if i hire a bookkeeper at certain pounds per hour actually that's a that's a, a wrong measure because it's likely to only take them an element of that time so what can we decide to outsource well when we're deciding what to outsource is what's the competitive advantage of yourself? Doing that activity, is it high or is it low? And what's the ability or the cost effectiveness of your in-house team undertaking that activity? And when I say team, that's you or a another. And if the ability of your team to deliver in a cost-effective way is high and gives you competitive advantage, then keep it within your team. If competitive advantage of you doing it yourself or in the team is low and actually your team aren't really good at doing it and they're not that cost effective at doing it, then you can outsource. And then you've got a couple of other elements in terms of whether you may explore or even acquire people to come into the team to do that for you. So take a few moments now just to consider what it is that you could outsource in your business. What is the tasks that you don't need to be doing the tasks that your team don't even need to be doing, but you could outsource to another expert to support your business. So just pause the video, spend a couple of moments. What is it that you could outsource? So I hope that was a useful reflection for your business to establish are there some elements in your business that you don't need to be doing yourself internally and you could outsource? That could be a finance task, that could be. A HR task, that could be a digital marketing task. What is it that could be done more effectively, more cost-efficiently by somebody outside of your business? As I say, there are some examples right from bookkeeping, marketing, IT that I talk about, even down to things like cleaning. even if you've got a member of your team, just say, just do me a favour, run the vacuum thing around and polish a couple of desks each night. It takes them half an hour to do. Is that half an hour they could have been spending different time doing? Is it processes where you're onboarding clients? Is it other admin or office management that you have? So, what sort of things could you have outsourced? What about delegation then? So, if we look at delegation, how much time would you save if you never had to solve problems forever, ever again, and never had to revisit a delegated task? I encourage you to push your comfort zone and trust your instinct of choice because. The gut instinct of many entrepreneurs is generally right. And I think the fear really with um, delegation really needs us to push our comfort zone because we fear that can somebody do the task as well as I can? Can somebody do the task in the same efficiency, in the same time bound as I could? And how do you keep the monkey off your shoulder? And what I mean by that is that Again many business owners try and keep all the problems on their own shoulder and therefore don't delegate as effectively as they could do and you know the, the monkey management um, which is a phrase used in the one minute management meets the monkey book by Blanchard and Onken is set the rules so that we don't have any problems so you encourage solutions um, and therefore that will reduce the number of problems that are actually brought to you agree the next steps that you support and gain their help. Also never assume that they've been understood. Agree who should take the next step to clear whose monkey it actually is. So it's not on your shoulder, it's clear that it's on their shoulder. It's their responsibility to deliver that task. Agree on the reporting back and importantly that level of authority that I referred to earlier. Have they got the authority to make certain decisions without you or do they have to come back through you? Agree a timeline, in terms of when they're going to bring that back to yourself, and then continue repeating that until that problem has been solved. So it's basically delegation, but not advocating the problem. And in terms of delegation planning, a real simple model is consider a task that you're going to delegate into whom. Consider what the benefits are to yourself in terms of that delegation, and that, those can often be seen very clearly. But then consider the benefits to the delegate team. So who you're delegating that task to, what's the benefits of them doing that task? And at first glance, then may be really, really difficult to see, but there will be benefits to them. It may be personal development. It may be um, some engagement with a customer, for example, that they've not yet had. Because um, you can then use that in terms of your communication to create the motivation of why you've delegated that task. And as with the one-minute manager, um, consider the steps for what you need to teach that task, consider the target dates for each of those steps, and then have your method of tracking and your progress. What about improving your operational efficiency? Now, a real simple task to think about is, okay, consider one of your tasks in your business and think of all the steps that happen for that task to be delivered. And then in terms of consideration, what stage of that flowchart are you at? So, for example, are you at a stage where you're in a delay stage because you're waiting for something to happen? You're waiting for a response, you're waiting for the customer to confirm something to you. Is it an operational stage? Or is it a another? We've got some examples here for, for this sort of specific example. Then you can put some times in. Um, again, the distance travelled in this example may not be relevant for all of you, but more important to think about what's happened, what stage it is, how long that class can take. And then you start to think about your operational efficiency and say, okay, well, if stage five, should it really take six hours, 45, to wait for those goods to arrive? Could we improve our supply chain, our, um, logistics partner to reduce that to four hours, for example? or is there a risk on the quality and experience for our customers or ourselves, of it being six hours 45? Does it need to be eight hours? So again, it gives you a reflection in terms of improving and continuing improving your operations. And what sort of things will be the thieves of your time? Now the seven key time white sticks are going to be telephone, email. Unexpected visitors, meetings, firefighting, socialising, indecision, and procrastination. So, with telephone interruptions, there's going to be a whole number of factors. But again, the interruptions log can be really effective for you to help you understand those sort of things that are interrupting you. So, it may be you know, you've got some social interruption or um, some what I'd class irrelevant business interruption. But make sure you are using that telephone as an effective business tool and not a social tool. And there's also a number of thoughts you can think about here in terms of putting course on hold, batching your course, having a certain time of day when you're making your calls. You know, again, I said earlier about only responding to emails three times a day. You may say that you've got a message on your voicemail that I'll respond to your message between two and three o'clock today. That's when you respond to all of your calls. Um, and you know have a gatekeeper have someone that can screen your course whether that's somebody in your business or whether that's a call answering service someone who can answer the course for you thinking about email interruptions um certainly turn off the notifications that notifications will be the bane of your life i'm sure it is already um and it will be distracting you it will be encouraging you to do things so again i said earlier schedule blocks of time switch off those auto send and receive um but you know, organise your inbox, control your inbox, and make sure it works the way that you need it to work. If you get unexpected visitors, take some actions. Um, you know, I like to stand up, um, use phrases like "one more thing before you go," so you're um, encouraging them that they know that they're going. For example, I've encouraged people to think about when the best time is to interrupt you, when they may have permission to interrupt you, should they be making um appointments with you um, to ensure that they're not interrupting you at times. We talked earlier about meetings and making sure that your meetings are efficient, effective, um, well controlled. So what's the purpose? We'll talk about agendas and I gave you an example of, of agendas. Um, but you know, have you got a start and a stop time? And actually if you overrun that time, should you just stop the meeting because you've got other things to get onto. And don't wait for latecomers. If you say you're gonna start at 10 o'clock and you're waiting for latecomers and it doesn't start until 10, 10.15, 10, the latecomers will be there at 10.15 next time. Whereas if you already started, they'll be there at 10 o'clock next time. I found that experience with my networking groups. I said my networking groups start at 7.45, they start at 7.45. If you're not there at 7.45, you miss a good part of the meeting. I'm not gonna wait around for latecomers. And think about, you know, your action planning, your meeting, what you wanted to purpose, and encourage somebody to take minutes or bring somebody in to keep minutes so that you've got an action plan from that meeting that keeps people accountable. Reduce your firefighting. We talked about um, time management and effective use of your time. So anticipate crises, um, Make sure that you're delegating where possible. And you know, if you're asked to do something, get the facts and make sure that you need to be doing that yourself socializing that's going to come back down to yourself individually but you know consider disciplining yourself in terms of your breaks um have phrases that you know are polite to break conversations with clients or sorry colleagues um and a real simple one for me is if i get distracted into socializing when i shouldn't be socializing is is that what i should be doing or if you're an employee is that what i'm being paid to do Indecision will steal your time, Um, indecision procrastination will steal your time. So, you know, again, build the facts, have the right facts to build, make calculated decisions from, Um, can you delegate again, decide immediately. Um, Research shows that 80% decisions should be made when they arise. And actually, as I alluded to earlier, any decision will give you an outcome, may not be the perfect decision but you will learn from those decisions that you've made. And as we say, procrastination, create that sense of urgency for the decisions you need to make, but with your clarity around your vision, mission and purpose, that will help you make decisions. I and mean, it will help you make um, decisions that relate to those, those goals that you're trying to achieve. But you may say, well, actually, if I'm struggling to make a decision today, I'm gonna to set a deadline on this. I'm going to make a decision by tomorrow afternoon or two days time or you might need to block out some time in your diary to consider that further you might need to bounce that off somebody you might need to have a sound in board with somebody else so i hope that session has been useful for you one of the things i do encourage you to think about is reviewing your day close each day with a review of what went well what could have been done differently what could have been improved what will never be repeated what should be repeated and if you close off each day, there will be a learn from what you've achieved today that you should continue to do well for the next time. The next session will be around making the numbers work. So, again, hope you found that session useful. Um, do work through the worksheets in a bit more detail than we've done today and look at ways that you can better manage your time.
0: So I hope that content around managing your time has been useful for you. It's been thought provoking and giving you some ideas about how you may better manage your time in the future. Thank you again for listening to my latest podcast. Please do subscribe via one of the players and I look forward to sharing with you more thoughts in a future episode.